Hi, Daniel. How's it going? Hey, Evan. <laughs> Good morning. I think we're all having a uh, interesting start here today. Uh, how about yourself? How are you doing here? I'm doing all right. Uh, it is early on the West Coast, and I got up early to record. So, <laughs> uh, all in all, good. Well, everybody, this is episode 13, uh, season two, Tools for Lifelong Learning, part two. So, let uh, should we jump right in? Yeah, we have the honor of reintroducing these guests, I feel like, for like the umpteenth time. It's been uh, some familiar faces, so we'll keep it quick. Uh, I'll introduce the first guest today with 15 plus years of healthcare recruiting experience, um, all sorts of uh, involvement across hospital healthcare, whether it's uh, support staff, accounting, engineering, IT. And recently, I uh, was just promoted to Director of HR Transformation here at Wilshire. Uh, thanks for joining us, Marcy. Hello. Thanks for having me back, guys. I think you're uh, going to be a regular from now on. So <laughs> we'll <see> about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I have the pleasure of introducing our second guest today. Uh, uh, pretty much should just become a sub co-host <laughs> with how many times he's been on now uh still having over 16 years of revenue cycle patient access experience um former regional director of um admission services also a former um Nahum board director he is our director of people and culture here at wilshire welcome back tim i'm feeling so at home evan i'd love, I'd love to be back thank you <laughs> All right. Well, we are at least two of us. Uh, well, I'm recording in a new spot today, and we have uh, Tim with his kids running around in the background. So everybody get a little glimpse into our home lives here at the Wilshire Group. <laughs> Daniel might have to run out and take care of the puppy at some point, too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, today, Lifelong Learning Part 2, so if anybody listened to earlier in the season, we did have an episode around Lifelong Learning where we kind of were bouncing ideas off of each other and really sparked a bunch of additional like, hey, let's come back and create a book club. We weren't able to do that, but, <laughs> but with that said, um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, I just came back from an annual conference. Um, at for HFMA in Nashville, um, where I had the weird pleasure of having to bring two newer members of Revenue Cycle and kind of and more in the leadership, new to leadership as well, and kind of help them navigate like what are the right conference sessions to go to, how to network and do all of that. So I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on you know, how did you go about doing that? How do you go about doing that from that? Because we do have quite a bit of early careers listening and they're starting to dive into that whole, should I venture out to a conference? And what do I actually do when I get to the conference? So I personally love conferences. Um, I, it, it also helps that I'm a bit of an outgoing individual to, to start with. So I don't have a problem like going out and talking to people. Um, but I would not be with the Wilshire Group if it was not for uh, you know me going to different conferences and, and getting my name out there. I started just by going and, and sitting in and listening to presentations. Um, my my very first one that I ever went to was a Mayhem conference back in I think 2013, um, and uh, and I just kind of you know went explored, started to learn a little bit, 
um, work towards, um, you know, at, after seeing that you, oh, these people actually present these things, work towards actually, you know, creating a presentation of my own, start to talk about a little bit about what, what I've done and how I've been successful in different parts of my career or different, you know, areas that I've worked. Um, and then just started to make a name for myself, uh, started to get to where I was uh, better known uh, in the different communities and the conferences that I went to. And, and uh, based off of that, it just kind of, you know, over time rolled into something that, that became a, a career that I absolutely love. So that's, you know, at a high level, I think conferences are a fantastic way for you to get outside of your regional bubble that you kind of find yourself in um, and, and get to where you can, you know, not only know different people across the nation, but, but also get to know different, you know, solutions to the same problem. Um, and, and maybe take some of that back to your own organization as well. And there is an element of like regional versus national, right? Tim, when you were going to these different conferences, were you kind of pick like picking like regional groups or more na like national? What was your kind of uh, motivator there? I don't, most of it was national for me. So I, I, I tried to, to stick to those just because I could, I mean, with, with me personally, with my experience, you get more of a, more of a, a broad swath of individuals that you kind of talk to, but also it's easier to justify to your organization that, you know, going to a national conference, it's, 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 there's more resources for value in going to something like that than say something that may be regional. That being said, if, if I had one that was relatively close to me, um, I would absolutely try to attend that as well. So I, 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 you know, I live close to Dallas. So, you know, driving to Dallas for a regional conference was, was not out of, uh, you know, out of the norm, but they, they just didn't happen as often. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if when I look back at the earlier stages of my acute world career um, in healthcare, I, I kind of stuck more regional because if you're kind of a, I'm not a shy individual by any means myself, but if you are a shyer individual, you know, you can tag along with a peer um, or a mentor just to say, hey, let's, you know, let's start to talk there. Let's start to get to know each other um, and kind of venture, ease your way into the adventuring out unless you're like a huge extrovert and you don't mind just like mingling right out of the gate on your own. Um, and usually a regional conference is a little bit cheaper than a national conference too. And given kind of the state of healthcare affairs right now, um, you know, it, that might be a better start for an earlier career is to kind of get their feet wet and see what, what that is. But I don't know. I always pick my conferences based off of what are the educational topics and what are the things that excite me in my, in my career. Um, but what's something I can bring back to my team too. I know, as a leader, a former leader, and even, you know, filling an interim, in this case, when I was working with the two, I had them each select different sessions to go to versus going to the same session. And then what were they bringing back that we could bring back to all of their organization um, in some form of a presentation, a miniature version of that conference. So we're seeing more and more, you know, organizations starting to do that, the go learn and come back and teach it back because um, they can't afford to send everybody to the conference. So I, I, I do think like, think of it from that standpoint, everybody of, hey, broaden out, go out. If you're in an executive role, definitely hit a national conference. I know like Becker's is on my short list. I've never been, I hear great things, but 
Um, you know, I just haven't been able to venture there. I, I stick a lot with HFMA and Nahum and Nari and things like that, more of those sub rep cycle groups. But I do think it also behooves us to venture out. Marcy, what about you? I mean, you're going to conferences sometimes in a different capacity <laughs> than the rest of us, but you definitely, I know, you know, mingling is a big thing on your docket too. Yeah. So when I first started going to conferences early in my career for HR to learn, and I would attend like the recruitment side, because even before I got into recruitment, was promoted into that position, I was totally interested in it and passionate about it. So now when I go to conferences, I, I do a lot of listening to what other individuals are doing, but yet I'm also kind of in there using it more for a networking purpose since, you know, I, I might be trying to poach somebody to come into a position, you know, even if it was here at Wilshire or prior, you know, looking for somebody to join the HR team or things like that. So my conference attendance is a little bit different. It's kind of a mixture of what can I learn? What can I bring back and apply? But who can I bring back with me as an applicant? Do you guys find, you know, when you attend something like a conference or something, it, are you finding, I mean, the education sessions, you know, they can be hit or miss sometimes uh, it, it, in that regards. But where are you finding more of your time doing the networking components of, of it and building kind of that foundational hidden mentorship or partnership growth? And and how are you guys going about that when you're at a conference to be able to start that conversation and develop? So for me, there were two ways. Um, I mean, the conferences obviously give you opportunities to to get together and to mingle, you know, be it through like a, a vendor hall or, or through a happy hour or whatever it might be. Um, <clears throat> and that can be, you know, valuable, but if you don't, you know, reach out to anybody or, or introduce yourself to anybody before those things, then you're just kind of wandering around, right? Um, so what I like to do is that if I found a particular uh, presentation, uh, you know, very valuable, or I found a lot of good information in it, you know, something like that, I will go up and introduce myself, you know, right after the presentation, uh, have a little bit of additional Q&A after the presentation, you know, kind of ended and, and, you know, make that connection then. Uh, that way, when you cross paths with them, at the happy hour, at the vendor hall, whatever it might be, you know that that extended conversation is a little easier to get into, uh, both for for them and for me. I mean, if, if that person's not necessarily an extrovert, then it's absolutely going to be in, uh, better for them if you have that kind of connection beforehand and everything. Um, I've actually had that happen a couple of times to me. Like, I would uh, for, so Wilshire um, sponsors the Epic User Group at Mayhem uh, pretty much every other year, um, and uh, we. I've had a lot of people come up and introduce or ask additional questions. It's always very engaging conversation. It's very open forum. Love it. Uh, but I've had a couple of situations where, you know, I would see somebody later in the conference and they would have, hey, I wanted to, to find you again and ask you about XYZ, about Epic or something like that. I had one individual that was not necessarily talking about, you know, what can we do with Epic? But, you know, you you had one heck of a career. How did you get to where you are? And so we had a, like almost an hour conversation about, you know, career growth and, and the importance of things like conferences and stuff like that and how that kind of got me to this point too. So there's a lot of different ways that those conversations can go. Um, and, and I've always found it, you know, very valuable to make sure that you are really, really trying to make sure you have that networking piece to the conference as well as not just doing the education. 
Yeah, for me, if it's if you're not a, a super social person and you end up attending a conference, and especially if you're by yourself, it could be a little uncomfortable to go up and strike a conversation with someone. So what I always try to do is try to find something um, that I might have a common ground with a person. So for instance, some of the conferences that I would go to, like SHRM, they'll have an author for a book possibly that I read. So I will definitely attend that one. And then as I'm in that room, I know I'm surrounded by people who like to read. So I'll strike up a conversation of like, what other books have you read? You know, what have you learned from this? What have you learned from that? And then also if it's like a lunch break and you're out there getting lunch, I'm the type of person that like, I'll look at somebody's bag, you know, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I like your purse. Like, where'd you get that? Strike up a conversation. And then, oh, you know, next thing you know, you know, we're having a different kind of conversation. Like I kind of broke that ice to kind of find out a little bit more to find out more about that person. So I can appear sometimes like I am an extrovert, but really I'm I'm kind of an introvert. So it's out of my comfort zone to really strike up a conversation with people because you can kind of feel like, mm, is that person going to judge me? Or they think I'm a weirdo? Like who's the strange person talking? But you have to get past that and just find that common ground. And for folks that aren't able to attend conferences in person, there definitely are like resources online. I know for a lot of these, like if you're like, I still want to do the learning, um, those conference materials are often online and available for presentation. I'm curious yep. for you, both you though, have you found networking to be effective in, an, in a non-in-person setting? So just like thinking about like the online, the world of healthcare, ITR world that we, we live and work in every day. Have you found that like the in-person just goes so much further when doing that sort of networking and growing your, your network of folks? I think historically, yes, um, but that's changing, right? You know, COVID kind of changed a lot of things going forward. So, you know, my last client before the one I'm on now, uh, I was 100% remote, but I, I consider some of the people that I worked with, because I was on that project for, you know, two and a half years, uh, I consider some of those people very, very close friends and, and you know, people that I work with and I've never met them in person. Um, so, you know, you, you get to where you, you can develop a relationship, but they can take more time sometimes. Um, but I, I think there is something to be said for that. I think a lot of people, a lot of different conference organizers and, and organizations had to get creative during the COVID years and, and put on these virtual conferences. Uh, and I think there is some value to that, but if you're talking big bang, if you're talking like you have a lot of people that are coming to one location, the, the better way to go is, is going to have, you know, in-person type networking relationships. Um, I know a lot of these organizations also offer, you know, recordings of these sessions that happen at the in-person conferences later down the road. Um, the, typically they're behind a paywall, but you can go and actually, you know, listen to them if you find interest or if you've heard a lot of good things about them, you can go ahead and get that presentation for yourself as well and then take that back um, to your organization. Agreed. I find that some of the, um online sessions that I've attended, I'll listen to the speaker and they always say you can connect with me on LinkedIn and you're like, oh, okay, sure. Like, you know, this person. So I'll connect with them on LinkedIn, but then it's amazing that I'll, I'll message them. I'll be like, hey, I have a question over specifically what you talked about, about blah, blah, blah. And then within like two or three days, they'll respond. So, you know, and then you can kind of build your connection from there. And there's at least a half a dozen individuals that have been speakers at conferences that I've watched online that I've been able to reach out to for questions or to help me or, you know, hey, I have this idea, you know, what do you think about this? How can I make this better? So I kind of like those opportunities as well. So I think it's, you know, like Tim said, 
in person is great, but then, you know, also when you have that opportunity to connect online, that's beneficial as well. I was just going to add, I think COVID actually helped us in some ways as uh, conference goers and even, you know, from a putting on a conference perspective, make us think outside the box of how we do either hybrid conferences that are both virtual and in person and or just completely virtual. Um, I know like for HFMA, for instance, when they're hosting virtual reimbursement webinars and stuff, they use a random selector in their in their virtual conferences that breaks people into discussion rooms throughout the conference throughout that virtual session so that they and they never get put well typically they don't end up getting put into the same discussion room. So it's forcing that networking and that conversation amongst people. Um, and a exchange of contacts and stuff. And then you see a lot, like when we're recording, I, I, I get the privilege of, in, at least in the Oregon chapter, to see what they're recording in the background. And you, you can see these discussions going back and forth in the general chat, but also you see people branch off into private chats um, from there. So um, I, I do think in the virtual world, there are ways of doing it and making that connection. And I think for somebody who's a little more, shy in person, it allows them to venture outside of their comfort zone um, uh, even easier in a virtual capacity if they make a connection in a, in a virtual breakout room. The other thing I was going to always say is don't leave the conference if they're having a happy hour or social networking event. I think that is a great, even if you are that fly on the wall, it's just nice to like mingle because somebody's going to come up to you and introduce themselves and spark a conversation with you. Um, I, I'm a little bit different than Marcy. I tend to be that extreme extrovert. But I am the person who's a little standoffish and shy at first because I'm judging the room and figuring out where I'm gonna network in and who and who's there and, and what's that platform platform first. So um, just that uh, a little bit of that opposite component. <laughs> I think that's why Marcy and I get, tend to be drawn to each other at conferences or at different events is because I could be the voice and she could be the, the one tagging along. So. Um, but it is interesting. I, I do think conferences add a lot of value. Um, and I think it's just a, a platform to say, hey, here's educational topics. Even if you can't make it to a conference, look at conferences, look at those educational topics. A lot of them, um, you can reach out to the speaker directly and get some of the material, even if you can't attend and say, hey, I missed this conference, but I would love to learn more about this. Do you have a blog? Do you have an article that I can read? Or are you able to share something? Um, in some of those conferences, even if you can't attend in person or virtual, they'll post um, for you, the associations will, they'll post the content, you know, 30, 60 days after the conference. Um, that's just the PowerPoint so that you can go up and read on it. So it's a good idea just to, even if you can't make something to network it and see if you can get the information or material from somebody else who might have attended. You know, Evan, you're talking about um, uh, you know, how how COVID made people get more creative about things. So, you know, a lot of companies also went like very remote uh, and stayed remote uh, even afterwards. And so you've got a lot of services that didn't exist before that, that help encourage uh, team building and team growth in a virtual environment. Um, so if, you, if you're an organization that has uh, people all over the nation or all over the state or whatever it might be, and that you just don't come into a central office anymore, uh, 
you can actually go out and you can have a team building function that's that's you know fun, somewhat you know gaming in terms of like what you're doing and everything, but it's meant to drive that connection and build those relationships to kind of help you function better as a team. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, any final thoughts before I run us out to a quick break? Fine Medical serves a growing base of more than 800 active hospitals and health systems nationwide. Their best practices are hardwired through technology solutions proven to help hospitals achieve sustainable top performance. Their well-published results include improving financial performance, physician and staff alignment, patient experience, compliance, and patient safety and quality measures. Learn more at VineMedical.com. That's V-Y-N-E Medical.com. All right, well, let's head to a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. All right, well, venturing off of uh, our hot topics and going into more of our debate and industry trends, you know, I think we'll continue with the conversation and venture away from conferences, but really start to explore what are some other out of the box or unique things, or maybe even not so new, unique things that we've been utilizing to expand our own education or help others with their education expansion. Yeah, I know we in our prep session, Tim, I don't know if you said you love bikes or if you had something on bikes, but you want to kick <laughs> us off here? Yeah, so there was back back in my operational days uh, when, when I was leading a team, a we were going through a period of, of you know, a large process transition, trying to get people in the new mindset where we need to stop doing whatever we were doing and start doing this over here. And there was a lot of uh, uh, pushback and like, well, this is the way we've always done it. And I don't think this is going to work and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it was something organizationally that we had to do. So I pulled um, the, the affected teams together into a group meeting and um, I had found a uh, YouTube uh, video um, from a, uh, a very popular podcaster himself. But um, basically it was talking about a backwards bicycle and um, he works with uh, some welders that basically took a, a bicycle and put an extra gear on it. So when you turn the handlebars right, the, the, the front wheel will go left and vice versa. Um, and then it became a personal challenge to him to, you know, learn because he could not ride the bike. He could not get that thing to go more than a foot before he fell off the dang thing. So it, it became somewhat of a personal challenge to him to learn how to ride this bike. And he was, he, he documented the process and how, challenging it was for him to actually break that mental cycle in his head to learn how to do it the other way. And then he talks about kind of the repercussions of that down the road and that he found himself at a conference, uh, you know, one time and he got on a regular bike and then he couldn't ride the regular bike. And it took his brain a little bit of time to flip back and to figure that out. And it talks, it, he, he just does a very good job talking about how, you know, over time, your your brain, especially as an adult, becomes very rigid in terms of the processes that it likes to follow. Um, but then he 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 observed his kid. Uh, they did the same thing to his bike, and he was able to pick it up in about a couple of weeks, versus him taking months to figure this out. And so, talk about brain elasticity and the ability to learn and adapt and things as you're younger versus you're older. And then we use that as kind of a discussion or launching point to discuss you know, why, why we are so rigid in the process that we're wanting to do and then why we're wanting to go, wanting to go. And are we able to, you know, potentially make that transition and why would this would be a good thing? And it ended up being a very good way for us to, 
as a team to come together and say, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from, Tim. And, and then it, it made the transition to the new workflow a lot, a lot easier by just, you know, pointing that out to everybody to say, just because it's the way we've always done things doesn't mean it's the, it's the only way to do this. And, and we can look at other solutions as well. So for anybody that's looking for a, for a entertaining 10 minute video, uh, backwards bicycle, uh, just, just Google that on, on YouTube or something like that. And it'll be a, a pretty good watch. I need to watch that before I go and move a trailer clearly. Cause you know, you got to go the opposite way. And I never <laughs> want to. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it does not go into the dynamics or the physics of it all. It's, it's, it's more about what's happening up here. But. <laughs> it's just that reminder, right? Like, Oh, the, the natural instinct does not mean it's the right, <laughs> the right method or process. Yep. And I've, I've brought that up in a couple of different forums, just to, just to say, you know, this, this, this really makes you think differently from from what you're you know used to doing or whatever and it it, it puts a different just just helps you kind of refocus to say okay we need to be a little more creative with what we're doing sometimes and uh, i've always found that valuable to be able to reference and i know that like learning new things or breaking a mold can be really really challenging my my wife is studying for like her what is it licensed counselor exam right now she's in she's in grad school we were talking about like how to take tests or how to prep for a test she's a big test coming up i was like i look at like a what a practice test and do like some practice questions and then do like my study materials like i want to know what's out there and what like i should be looking for and she's like no way am i ever doing that i like it stresses her out to look at like practice exams before a test because she's like oh i don't know anything why would i ever look at this um just like the the backwardsness of like the two of our learning structures, I was just like shocked to find out that like when you're putting yourself into some sort of difficult situation, trying to learn something, trying to um, study in some sense, uh, like two people can work very, very differently as well. So in learning a backward bicycle, it sounded like, well, I guess there was like an age difference or something, maybe the malleability of their learning experience, but uh, for adults, even there, there can still be some huge differences. It's just really cool that, you know, because of your experiences and because of the way you you, you know, learned through reference something like that, that that directly affects how you approach you know everyday things. Um, and it's it's just cool that there's there's infinite numbers of possibilities you know, from from the human brain's perspective on on the pathways you can take with that. And I mean, we could run a whole podcast just around that. I'm sure just because it's really neat to. To, to think about that and to dive into that, especially if you get somebody like a psychologist or somebody on the, on the line and, and have them talk through it. But it's, it was just really, really interesting for me. Yeah, that's one of the things that I have to remember, um, you know, as trying to lead or lead someone is that not everybody's going to learn the way that I learn. People are not going to be interested in what I'm interested in, and people are not going to work the way that I work. So those types of things and referencing back to them, I tend to like to review those watch those, listen to those, because it keeps me grounded and keeps me humble to remind me that, hey, just remember, like this person needs to learn from you, you know, so make sure you're setting a good example and you're not giving them a bad impression or, you know, making them feel like, well, gosh, I just don't know this because it's not the way that, you know, Marcy would learn it or not the way that Marcy would do it. So I think I think as leaders that always adds a dynamic challenge, right? You're running operations, you're running around, you're trying to figure out how to deliver it. You're trying to make sure that we're meeting our company standards, but still being innovative and all of these things. And 
one of my former mentors, she's retired for many years now, but I, she, she always told me when I would go in with a new employee, she's like, the first quiet, you need to have them fill out a questionnaire. And the first question is, how do you learn? And, um, and have them fill it out before they start, because that way you could adapt your training materials to the person. And it really has forced me in many ways to have to learn to like, oh, this person needs to have it written. Oh, here's the policy manual. Let them read through that first and let, and that's how they start off is just reading before we team them up with somebody to start to, you know, do side-by-side review and, and looking and watching the process. So I think it, it is, while we all have our own training processes, I do think that we're working with adult learners now and adult learners are stuck in their ways of learning. So you're going to have to have a flexible training platform for them. I think that's one of the things we were all talking about different books and stuff that are out there. And um on the last podcast and sparked the idea of having a book club <laughs> but i'm not a big avid reader actually i don't like to read um so when i do get somebody to recommend a book it, sometimes it takes me a little bit unless they're like hey you have to read this as part of work but um it, it you know i think i think grabbing in not even self-help books but just even leadership books and like dynamics around learning um there's the fit i can't remember the name of the book but it's about um the pike's place market fish throwers um there and i think it's flying fish or something like that um and they how as a team they do go through training and they go through all this stuff but really when it's they're on the floor it's about yelling you know using the certain words that they have as a team that gets the next person prepared to be able to catch that fish that's flying from one end of the stand the side of the stand to the next so that it can be wrapped up and weighed and, and out the door for for the customer and while it's a show for people it was really more about a lean methodology of making sure you have team members all around and you're trusting that team and that team dynamic. So, um, you know, those are just, that's just a book that resonates with me of like how to think outside the box and still leverage people's skill sets. Cause they never have the person in the calling position who's quiet. Um, that person's always up above, um, with the, you know, doing the weight and all of that, or doing the cash register until versus having to be the person on the ground to make sure the other people hear them uh, clearly. So it, it, it's an interesting book. If you can go read it, I, I would recommend it. It's kind of a fun read. Um, it has, I think, uh, God, what is the fish on it? Um, it's that candy, Swedish fish. It has like a little Swedish fish uh, type of fish on the cover, if I remember correctly. So um what are some things like, uh, you know, Tim's watched a YouTube video. We clearly have a podcast for all of you listeners to learn from and, and hear our, our things. But what are what are like, Marcy, what's your go to's uh, kind of in being able to make a recommendation to somebody or even for yourself? I've always been in a position, even starting out where I've been some type of customer service or the first person that somebody sees for an organization. So way back when I was in college, I was working like as an ER registrar, unit secretary, things like that. We watched this video called uh, Give Them the Pickle. 
And I just found it very interesting because it was like, well, why wouldn't you give somebody the pickle if they're asking for a pickle? Why are you going to charge them 50 cents? And just the whole approach behind customer service and treating people, basically, it all boils down to how you want to be treated. What are you going to do to make that person feel special? So I've always kind of tapped into that for everything that I want to learn and for everything that I do. So in my very, very first job, I was 12 and I had a paper route. So that sounds like a really easy job, but when you have to go back then, once a month, you would have to go collect your money from the customers. And I lived on a street where the majority of the people were, I would say 50 and over. There were very few young people there. So I would have to have these conversations. I got to learn so much from these individuals that I was talking to, and they might mention a book. I was 12. I'd go ride my bike to the library, find this book. I would read this book and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I learned so much. Then the next time I got to talk to that person, I would talk about that book. So I guess at a very young age for me, it was always listening what can I gather from somebody else? What can I always tap into? What's going to be my foundation for my learning? And it all comes back to that, you know, first job I had, and then the first hospital job, give them the pickle, and then just kind of <laughs> build upon that. I can talk about books forever. I can talk about learning forever because learning is listening. It really is. If you sit down and you read a book, you're you're listening to somebody else's story. You're listening to what somebody else has to say. And I think that listening is the very, very first thing when it comes to being in an organization or being a leader is not telling people what you know, but gathering first what they know. And then, wow, how can I find that common ground with that person? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, one of the inter I had an interesting opportunity in my career so far where we had a uh, coach come in to work with when I was working at a hospital in nursing leadership. And um, we brought in a coach and she actually is an author too. Her name's Libby Wagner and she has a book called Trust and Inspiration, but she has others out there too, like opt Optimizing and a few others. She's a poet if you look her up. So you have to look for her coaching books versus her poetry books for those listeners. Her poetry is awesome too. But she um, she's she came in to work with us on team building and stuff. And, you know, we were working through one of her books because one of them is a workbook type, type of thing through leadership. And she um, said something that resonated with me. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And I went to go look up the concept and it was actually a concept from another author. And she makes reference to it in one of her books, but it was during one of our like just sessions of like, Hey guys, you know, come up with your common goal as a group. Let's talk through that. What are your struggles as a group? And it that's what sparked me to start to read kind of not kind of more of the self-coaching or thinking out of the box type of books. There's this other cool book. Um, I don't know if it's even pu being published anymore. I have a copy that's falling apart. I literally taped the page. <laughs> it's, um, it's called Drumming to a Different uh, Drummer. And it's these little sayings or quotes or out of the box ideas. So I've always grabbed a quote from there when I've had to go like Tim, you know, thinking outside the box with his team, grabbed one of those activities and had the team start with that. 
um, activity out of that book just to, and that was kind of my way with my team to say, hey, it's time to start thinking outside of the box when we go to embark on this conversation. Um, but I've had recently a couple of my old employees come up to me and be like, hey, you know, you were talking about this book or this podcast. Can you remind me what it was? And um, it's kind of nice to like have people be like, hey, I, I want to venture out into these different categories and spaces. Another great podcast to listen to is um, Maxwell's. Um, ooh, I wonder if I wrote it down. I don't know if I did. Um, it's uh, the Maxwell group. So they've done like, um, oh, God, what are those books, guys? We've all we've all read them um like 10 minutes of leadership and like yeah things like that but they've they're taking those concepts from their books and putting it into a, a like a you know a 30 minute podcast versus having if you don't have an hour to read the book you can kind of get those same foundational components out of a podcast so um i would say take a look at that Daniel, what are you doing uh, in in your venture um, and recently since I think you got benched on our team? So if anybody's looking for for an amazing optimization, resolute analyst, we got one for you to come help out your team. Love that shameless plug. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. um... I've been doing a lot of uh, in-house work and would love to uh, take my eyes somewhere else. It's <laughs> I've been doing the same thing for a couple of weeks now, so it'd be great to get plugged in elsewhere. Um, I have a very like selfish desire to improve on just like speaking and like I think a lot of our job is like speaking and having conversations. And so I have found a unique way to practice that by watching a lot of comedy. Uh, Because I find that comedians are very uh, compelling talkers and able to bring across points very well. Um, So I guess my 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 most recent learning, this is maybe a little unusual, not something that um, (laughs) is founded in education or research. But I've been doing a lot of like uh, just like watching comedy skits, like three, four minutes just to see like how people communicate and how they drive points across that you can remember. Uh, So that's my that's my uh, (laughs) current uh, foray into into learning. So Daniel, I think at our next retreat coming up in LA, we're going to go and find a open mic stand up and we're going to put you on stage and see how you Oh, do absolutely that. not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you keep telling us you want to do more presenting and more things. I mean, we are now making you present on our podcast metrics. <laughs> I like this idea too. <laughs> a hard pivot, just a stand up comedy. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> We'll make sure like Nicole Byer and Matthew Lane and Shazir Sameda and all these other big time stand-up comedians. I mean, what, what better way to, to get experience than to just do the baptism by fire? We might as well just bring in the big band and, and see where you go. <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, um, so I think our next company retreats in LA. I had a friend who just moved to LA. He's a comedy host. Uh, so he would uh, definitely have a spot for me if I ever were to <laughs> try to get my, my feet wet. What's his name and phone number? <laughs> Marcy will be sleeping at the table because whenever she has to go to an LA retreat, she's always off on her time zone too. <laughs> One other way of uh, you know, just to kind of pivot a little bit. So I, I always, I, I'm a avid, avid sports person. I love, I, I, I actively still participate in sports, and um, you know, always grew up doing that, and love watching documentaries about that, and. 
but I, I, I try to look at it, especially like with the, the most recent one at, uh, for a, a shameless plug um, for Netflix here. They have a one on NFL quarterbacks now. Uh, it's really good. I just watched the whole thing. Um, but I watched it and I enjoyed, you know, learning kind of, you know, a little bit more about the quarterbacks that they featured and, and kind of their life during the season and how things look like. But I was also watching it from like a, all three of them that were featured have a different approach to leadership and how they're, you know, bringing the team together and uh, organizing them. And one's very personable and, and likes to get along with everybody and make sure that, 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 you know, there, there's a healthy amount of friendship and respect there. And that because of that friendship and respect, the rest of the team wants to follow up. Another one works harder than everybody else on the field. And so it's, it's neat to kind of like dive into that a little bit. I think the sports world has a lot to teach us in a lot of ways uh, in terms of like teamwork and, and leadership and things like that as well. So I like to, I like to be the one to go out and, and try to find different ways, you know, the, the backward bicycle again, things that are like not, your norm uh because I, I find that you know when you have those types of things there's there's typically more interest or more it, it garners more attention than say just you know sometimes just reading a book or going to a conference um and and making sure that you you look for these types of learning opportunities in unusual ways and i think you'll kind of learn a lot and be able to, to to gain a lot more from that too that's interesting that you bring that up tim because i'd like anybody can probably experience within their career burnout um, you know, you need that extra motivation. I just recently watched the other night on Netflix, um, the documentary on Dolly Parton, like her interview with Dolly Parton. And I just like admire how she branded herself, how she put herself out there, how she stayed motivated, how she was creative, how she didn't let anybody interfere with what she thought of herself, you know, her humble beginnings to where she ended up, you know, it was a huge motivator for me because she was admired. She she actually was a leader. People still follow her. People still look to her for guidance. You know, if I had the opportunity to go to Brentwood, Tennessee and meet her, I'd want to sit down and have a cup of coffee and, you know, have her be my mentor on where do you pull in for the self-confidence? You know, how do you stay relevant through all these decades? Like, it was just very interesting. So I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only person that refers to documentaries something because, you know, I out quite a bit. So I'm, I'm glad I'm surrounded by fellow nerds. Just to make sure that everybody that's listening isn't like we're just Netflix folks here. Um, if yeah. you need a, <laughs> another show recommendation that's uh, kind of in line with Evan's uh, fish flipping uh, story, uh, you should watch The Bear on Hulu. Uh, it's a, a interesting uh, foray into French cooking and like how uh, teamwork works in a kitchen, but it's maybe not as educational. Huh. I was going to say another good one is The Gladiators, but it has no like it's not a good documentary for learning. <laughs> but I'm of the decade of the American Gladiator, so <laughs> <laughs> there's no teamwork there. <laughs> it is interesting, though. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back. Are you ready to unlock the full potential of your medical coding team? Look no further than Adeo Technologies, the leading provider of medical coding productivity solutions. With Adeo's Gemini Solution Suite, medical coders are empowered and complemented with cutting edge tools and technologies. The Gemini Coder platform, Gemini AutoCode, and Gemini Coding Assist solutions work seamlessly together, creating efficiency and improving accuracy in medical coding. Say goodbye to tedious manual processes, cheat sheets, and memorization and embrace the power 
of workflow improvements, artificial intelligence, and predictive coding. At Adeo, we believe in the collaboration between medical coders and artificial intelligence to create coding capacity that makes human coders more valuable to their healthcare organizations. Visit our website at www.adeo-tech.com. It's adeo-tech.com to learn why we love coders and how Adeo Technologies is transforming medical coding productivity one claim at a time. And we're back. (laughs) All right. So we're going to wrap up today's podcast with the Wilshire Lab. We have a question here from a listener. Uh, Evan, you're telling me it's from a listener, so I'm going to believe you here. Uh, (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm the listener. Now, um, in leadership development today, and Marcy, Tim, this either you can take tackle this one, but like specifically think about leadership development. Um, what recommendations do you have for someone to get involved in uh, just like the professional side of organizations leadership and just development there? Um, what steps or tracks or methods would you uh, really push someone towards? Find a career path or a job that you enjoy. Um, before you dive too deep into that. I mean, I, I, I've always been somebody that was drawn to leadership and drawn to, to growing a team, improving things, that, that type of a career path. So that was easy for me, but doing it in the healthcare world, especially early on in my career was, was um, challenging at times just because there, there are so many things you have to learn and different regulations and, and things that you know, have to be done a certain way because the government tells you it has to be done a certain way. Um, so once you're in that path that you really enjoy and you want to, to really make a career out of this, find yourself a very good mentor. Uh, and I was very blessed to have one, um, to, to kind of help guide me and, and, and grow me as an individual and as a leader, uh, in my professional career. Um, and then just try to attach yourself to the hip to that person as much as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, as you do that, you'll, you'll find that, that, you learn a little bit more, but I mean, assuming that you have a very good one, you'll find that you'll, you'll learn that, you know, you'll, you'll start to think like them in a lot of ways. You'll start to, you know, kind of say, okay, well, what would this person do or something like that? But at the same time, you'll start to develop your own um, solutions and things to do that, that you don't necessarily have to lean on that mentor as much because you, you were able to make that connection and do a lot with that. So that would be my, my number one piece of advice, especially if you're early on in your career is, find that person that would be a good mentor. It could be your executive um, leader over your area. It could be somebody that has completely nothing to do with, with what you do, but you know, it is somebody that, that is significantly more seasoned, um, you know, in, in that particular professional field. I totally agree. And then for, you know, if you're starting on your career, you just remember no matter what role you're in, you're some type of leader. Um, there's always somebody, a coworker, you know, somebody that's looking up to you. So, you know, join employee groups, join a council, you know, if you're interested in becoming a leader, you know, like Tim said, you know, tap in to your supervisors, your team leads, you know, someone within your organization doesn't even have to be somebody that you report to. It could be in a completely different department, but there's something, you know, within that person that you connect with and you can learn from them. Um, definitely don't burn any bridges when you leave in an organization because you can tap into that person later on in your career. Um, I keep in touch with at least one former VP that I worked for and two supervisors. And this is over my career that I still tap into them for information. 
um, still tap into them for like, you know, even personal growth, um, career coaching, things like that. So it might not seem like it when you first start out, but even the most irritating boss that you could have could end up being your best friend later on in life and can become very valuable to you. So always, always think of, is this person that I'm with, what benefit am I going to be to them? And what benefit are they going to be to me? And what can I learn from in this experience? I'm going to take a different spin on the question because uh, the listener wasn't very clear. So I, I, you know, I think that's, I fully agree with both Marcy and Tim in that regards. But I think if you're trying to get involved with like a professional organization, so NAHAM or HFMA or whatnot, first just start out. Most of them have like, hey, would you like to volunteer signs um, up or even on their website? Do you want to get involved? Just volunteer. Um, it gives you an exposure. It gives you kind of behind the scenes so that you can learn a little bit more um, and learn leadership skills if you're an early careerist or early into a leadership role. Um, it'll give you a different stance on how to get involved and branch out those skill sets. So if you can leverage those professional organizations too for some of your growth and by just volunteering to help them cover a registration desk, do something of that nature. There's lots of different volunteer opportunities. That's going to get your foot in to assist with your networking, assist with your growth there, and then being able to expand that at some point, potentially even down. I know like Tim and I both in our professional networks have, you know, served on boards or are serving on boards or even working towards, you know, presidency and leadership in, in that regard. So I think that, you know, that's just another way of doing it if you're not finding those key mentors that, you, you know, Tim and Marcy were talking about. And Marcy and I actually, it's funny, Marcy just interviewed me for uh, something else marketing wise. But I think, you know, we have this great dynamic here at Wilshire even of we are peer mentors to each other that are not written as like a formal mentorship program. Like I go to Tim and Marcy and Patty and Daniel for things all the time. And I, you know, we kind of bounce off ideas and, and things of that nature. That's internal mentorship. While it's collaboration at the same time, they're giving you a new, unique spin on how to think of things differently. And it's changed my mindset. Sometimes I just need to say, hey, I don't need advice. I just need, uh, part of my French, a little bit of a bitch session. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, I, it, needing to have that. And and sometimes even them then saying, okay, well, I'm still giving you my uncensored advice. <laughs> it gives you a different way after that of saying, okay, yep, I got to think of that differently. And I know career-wise, Marcy and Tim have done that for me recently in the last few weeks of being able to say, hey, try to approach it this way or just take a break. It's okay to say I put up some boundaries and, and barriers. So, I, you know... I, while a formal mentor is not doing that, you know, your peers are looking out for you and mentoring you in that regards and reminding you it's okay to have a voice. So um, just both of those two different little spins on it um, in, in that regards. It's amazing how fine of a line there is between mentor and friend in a lot of cases too. So I've, I've developed a lot of really good friends over the years. Uh, you know, both in, in historically like previous jobs, but also with Wilshire, you know, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. So it's, it's been a neat ride so far. I want to tell the listeners who don't be afraid to be vulnerable. 
So don't be afraid if you're looking to someone to be a mentor that they're going to think that you're not asking the right questions or that you're not intelligent. They're not thinking that at all. So do not be afraid to be vulnerable and approach somebody for that mentorship. Yeah, 99 times out of 100, they're not going to look down on you or judge you because you're asking a question. Just ask the question. Well, thanks for joining y'all today. This is fun. Um, maybe we'll have to have a part three. This does uh, <laughs> season two, episode 13, Tools for a Lifelong Learning, part two. Um, I think we've also had like a rerun of the first part. So uh, lots of listens for for you all out there. And I don't think both of you all need like an introduction of like where your LinkedIn um, is or your <laughs> email, but do you have a preference if somebody wants to reach out to you and just maybe either for mentorship questions, want to connect, be friends, uh, Marcy, uh, what's the best way? I would say LinkedIn's the best way. I'm on there all the time trying to find candidates and then trying to build the brand for Wilshire and get us more followers. So LinkedIn would be the best way. What about you, Tim? Yep. Same for me. It's, it's kind of your public facing professional facing type platform. So definitely LinkedIn. Um, you know, and I've also got my professional email on there. So feel free to reach out, connect with me, and I'd be happy to, you know, answer questions, make a connection, whatever they need. All right. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you, everybody. And uh, check out part one, which is lifelong learning. Listen to this episode and future episodes. We'll definitely, um, I'm sure we'll, Daniel and I'll get Marcy and Tim back for part three at some point. Maybe it'll be season three, part three. (laughs) All right, everybody. That's it for us today. Bye-bye. If you liked today's episode, continue to join Wilshire Wednesdays. You can follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Evan underscore Wilshire. Daniel can be followed at Daniel underscore TWG. Wilshire Group at TWG Health. On Facebook at the Wilshire Group or on Instagram at Wilshire IT Revcast. Remember, if you prefer to watch, come check us out at the Wilshire IT Revcast YouTube channel. If you have an inquiry, want to share your thoughts or get additional information on today's episode, email us at Wilshire Podcast at the Wilshire Group. The best way to support this podcast is to review, rate, and subscribe. See you next time. Bye-bye. The Wilshire IT Revcast is hosted, produced, and engineered by Evan Martin and Daniel Bianchini. It is executive produced by Gretchen Case, Hank Smither, and Spencer Thielman. The Wilshire Group. Experience you can trust. Results you can count on.